Prepare for trouble. Make it double. To protect the world from devastation. To unite all peoples within our nation. To denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the stars above. Co-host. Adam. Team Podcast starts off Finding Monster Rights. The show about finding monsters, right? Joey, that's right. <laughs> Wonderful. Waba Fett. Good job, everybody. Flawless. Absolutely flawless. <laughs> <laughs> no problems. So, uh, uh, this is the show about monsters, and we're finally talking about the monsters, the pocket monsters, Pokemon. Yes, uh, this is something that Adam has an extensive background in, and uh, one of the people from Adam's background. How does that? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a like a LinkedIn reference. <laughs> yeah, a LinkedIn reference of Adam, the reigning king of PokeTube. <laughs> It's uh, our special guest for this episode, Birdkeeper Toby. Thank you for having me, reigning king of YouTube. I'll take, I'll, I'll take that. I'll tell you what. I mean, Adam would be if Adam stuck around, but you've yes. not uploaded to your Pokemon channel in so long. I miss you, man. <laughs> I know, I know. Go off, king. I mean, yeah, no, I miss Adam's Pokemon uh, videos also. Yeah, I'm not subscribed to any uh, PokeTubers now, except for Birdkeeper Toby, <gasps> reigning king of PokeTube. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll believe that. Uh, thank you, thank you, Adam. Thank you, co-host, for having me on. I'm very, very excited. <laughs> I'll be back again one day. <laughs> Better be. So, yeah. Uh, but speaking of reigning kings, uh, we, we've got some. Uh, uh, we brought our friend from across the pond for your extensive knowledge in another field too. Yes. Uh, Today's episode is Pokemonarchy, establishing a Pokemon government. Because it's kind of a, a lawless land, a real wild west out there. Yeah. When it, when it comes to the, the regions and what's going on. Yeah, no one no one seems to know who's in, in charge. What's going on? Is it the professors? Is it the champions? Is it is maybe this why organized crime is everywhere in the Pokemon world? Perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, it's not really the text of the game, I would say. In some cases it is, but it's sort of in the background and uh, hard to see and kind of blurry. <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's a... Uh, what should we tackle first here? Should we talk about like each the regions and what we do know of their, their governments? I think the first thing we need to point out is that Quillfish is underrated. <laughs> oh, really? This, this is going to be one of the only times Quillfish has ever been mentioned on a podcast. <laughs> I could be the a first... <laughs> Any podcast ever. <laughs> Honestly, like, I think either Charizard or uh, Milotic might be my favorite Pokemon overall. But uh, if I have to claim a signature one, I feel like those are already claimed. I'll take Quillfish. That's fine. Fair enough. I will not argue with that. I don't think I can. So l let's go. Let's go across the, the map here. Do, do you want to do this region by region? Or do you want to... I think it's going to be a lot of the same. Well, maybe <laughs> I mean, without a. I mean, we know, like we do know. We just talk about the monarchy, and we do know for a fact that kings and queens of the world have existed in the Pokemon world, right? Royalty exists, yeah, because they did. Correct. Uh, in the Gala region, we know that there was the the twin heroes, I think, or the two heroes, the friend heroes. I don't know. They became kings, I think. Uh, or king rulers, um, and their castles seem to be like Hammerlock, and maybe the one in the crown tundra and then obviously in like the black and white backstory there's 
twin hero king ancestry type people, uh, despite the fact there's no modern day royalty in Yenova. Yes, so there's it's a once upon a time thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like that is kind of the whole Team Plasma thing. Team Plasma has a uses monarch monarchic titles. Monarchical. Uh yes. And the that's part of the past of the Pokemon games. Unfortunately, I might say, I would kill for a a medieval set Pokemon. Oh, so cool. <laughs> oh. Game. Yeah, just every time they've ever put armor on a Pokemon, like they had that uh what that Scyther uh armored Scyther from like some uh, the newest series. It's yeah. called Scizor, Adam. It's been around for a <laughs> no, while. No, an actual armored scyther. Yeah. You know, there's a, in, in Agron's Pokedex entry for the Crown Tundra, it talks about how an ancient king used to wear the armor of an Agron or the helmet of an Agron as like its uh-huh. own helmet, which is both very, very morbid, but also really cool to think about. Like, I, I now want to meet that Pokemon character who was, uh, who wore an Agron helm. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that's kick-ass. That is extremely tight. <laughs> right? But, but there's, and there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff like that. I mean, especially in the animated series, I think there was, uh, there's like the king of Pokemopolis or something who was, uh, who put his spirit in a Pokeball, which then possessed Ash until he battled the Frontier Brain Brandon. I, I don't know what the Pokemon writers would... <laughs> <laughs> so fun no, that, that's they, how I want to go. They wrote that <laughs> Nothing one. Nothing special. Ash gets possessed like every twenty episodes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And then there's the Lucario movie, right? There's the Lucario movie where yeah, uh, that's obviously got kingdoms and and that's a whole thing. Um, right. And that that opening sequence is what I think of when I think of a medieval game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've also got the. There's like the the Togepi Garden place in the in the Hoenn arc, which is where like Misty says goodbye to Togepi, evolves into Togetic. But that's also like a kingdom that's in a parallel universe or something along those lines. Mm. So uh, there were certainly there for a time. Yeah, and uh, I think maybe this is an etymology taxonomy thing, but a lot of kings in Pokemon names. Huh. Kingdra, Sea King, Slow King, Kingler, Nido King, Nido Queen. Um, Vespiquen could be kind of queen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's a and, and so forth. So and so forth <laughs> and slow king. Yeah. So <laughs> we've reasonably there. There are no longer monarchs in the Pokemon world. Yes, maybe. 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 Yeah. No, we have no evidence. We have seen some evidence of an government or of like a country being uh, the case. Things like Professor Oak will mention something like Pokemon from all over the country in uh, one particular Generation 4 game, I think. Yeah. And then there's the use of the term National Pokedex, which is kind of the linchpin of this whole hypothesis that uh, at least the Japanese-inspired regions are of one big uh, Poke-Japan country. And the others, that's not necessarily as clear. Elsewhere in the world. Yeah, there have been regions based on multiple different countries, as uh, we all know, and uh, different parts of the world. Uh, me and Adam are from somewhere south of the Unova region. In uh, We have to catch uh, the legendary Pokemon um, uh, Rocky and a cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon Rocky and Pokemon cheesesteak coming to shelves 2021. <laughs> Woo! 25th anniversary special! <laughs> yes! <laughs> what, what a way to go for 25th anniversary! <laughs> They just completely check out. Yeah, it's uh, it's gritty in the Philly fanatic. What do you want from us? Oh, yep. Like it's yep. 
That's much better. Uh, uh, has Gritty made it across the pond? Gritty. Do you know about Gritty? Gritty, no. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, so just... Uh, you, you, know just... Oscar, you know Oscar the Grouch, right? Yeah. Imagine if he was orange and a full dude, and he played hockey. That's Gritty. Yeah, Gritty is the Philadelphia Flyers hockey mascot who was introduced a few years ago, and... Uh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, and uh, at, at first... Everybody in Philadelphia was like, what are they doing? This is weird. And then everybody on the internet was like, what are they doing? This is weird. And then everybody from Philadelphia was like, hey, don't make fun of Gritty. He's ours. And then the 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 <laughs> team over at Game Freak went, that's a Pokemon. Let's market it. Yep. Let's make it into a thing. <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah, absolutely. The other important thing I think to point out with Pokemon World is uh, their, their region, at least, um, every region supports uh, universal health care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> is that uh, you can uh, bring a sick injured Pokemon in and they get treated up. No problem, no cost to you, you 10 year old. You. There's also, I don't know if there's anyone with like a significant illness that ever shows up in the Pokemon games proper. So I wonder if they have that same thing applying to people as well. Awesome. Well, uh, would it be the, I'm thinking of course, Jasmine's Ampharos. And how you have to uh, quest to get some, I, I want to call it like, was it Eastern medicine? That can't be. <laughs> it's kind of that, okay. that approach. That's problematic on the best of days. <laughs> Watch it be like the, the super duper potion and, and I'm, I look like, I look terrible. Well, it's some kind of specialty medicine. Yeah. I, I, I think there are some illnesses that put with Pokemon senses like, uh, I did a video recently about um, sicknesses that Pokemon can get that are maybe not as simple as they've taken health damage so that they uh, heal. So there's, like, they can get fevers, they can get colds. And that's really where that kind of, uh, I think he calls it the, the, the secret potion comes in. Uh, Correct, yes. Um, so it could be anything, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm clean. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> the, so, the, the, I mean, the whole, like, Pokemon society is is predicated on on people who... Uh, battle Pokemon. And that makes sense because if people have been warring side and side by side with Pokemon forever, and it's kind of a situation where Pokemon are everywhere, so the nation that has a region of youngsters that have really strong Pokemon that are well-trained, you've kind of got the only way that peace can exist in this world is that there's a sort of mutually assured destruction in that, well, we'll set all of our trainers and their Pokemon on you... So don't set your Pokemon and all their trainers on me, and we'll all be we'll all be hunky dory, and everyone will get on. Um, so the whole economy, like they're giving money to each other. There's Pokemon centers everywhere. Mm -hmm. Th that leads me to a, a very natural conclusion that well, then the leaders of individual towns, gym leaders, most likely are probably pretty high up in that kind of hierarchical chain. Um, whether that's a monarchy. There's, I've got some points on, but I don't want to hijack the whole podcast. No, I, I, absolutely. Let's let's keep going with this thought process. All right. I, I'm always. Uh, I'm glad that you point out that they're often the leaders of a town because one might read that otherwise as, oh no, they're the, they're just the you know glorified physical trainers. Well, that, I mean that's it. It's, it's less like it's it's less like oh it's like a physical gym like we'd have in our world. It's more like. These places are communal centers where the Pokemon gym will, you know, host this, that, and the other. And I mean, in, in black and white, each gym is like a, 
a different thing of cultural importance. Like the Verbank City Gym is a is a sort of dive bar, but then then uh, in the I forgot what the town is, which has the normal gym. It's a library, and there's all these different things. Um, but I know I made an observation in a video a little while ago, which was that all of the like Canto gym leaders are in order to become a gym gym leader, it seems to be either familial or selected. Like, sp you're specifically chosen. So, with Brock's family mm. in the animated series, Brock has a huge family, and the only people we ever see run Pewter Gym are Brock, Brock's mum, Brock's dad, Brock's little brother. And it's it's within the family, right? With Misty, it's Misty or Misty's sisters in Cerulean City. Lieutenant Surge was well, a lieutenant that's been stationed there. Maybe that was a more military, war-based situation. Erica, we don't know enough about. Uh, Koga, it seems to be like a ninja clan, specifically. Um, with... Sabrina. Sabrina is... Yeah, Sabrina's like a, a fam got a family in the in the show and that maybe they ran the gym before, I don't know. Um, Blaine mm. and Dr. Fuji seem to be related and they both seem to be very integral to the higher-ups of Cinnabar Island. So it seems that like, each town has maybe a family that either runs these things and passes it down, or they select someone new, or if they're overthrown, maybe in a military sense. Um, and the reason I say choose, choose someone new is with Giovanni. Um, Giovanni, obviously... I was going to say, yeah, where does the... Uh, right. Where does that gym fall? Giovanni leads a family in italics. Right. Well, <laughs> but that, and that's the point, though. He does. He runs that family, and maybe it would be the case that he would choose a Team Rocket underling, or maybe Silver should have inherited the gym. Mm. But ultimately, um, after Giovanni was kind of, oh, you're a criminal overlord. Okay. They had to instill someone that they trusted in this position of power. And it had to be someone powerful because the whole point is to, to train strong trainers. So in the show, we see that be, uh, sorry, in the, in the games, we see that be the... Uh, brief champion, your rival. But in the show, we actually see that be Agatha takes over the Viridian City Gym for a while. So again, we're just choosing people who we know are like tough enough, but also would be good to be in these positions of power. Like it's not random, I don't think. I think people have chosen specifically. You can extend that to the other generations as well. You've got like Wallace is chosen by his mentor, Juan, uh, to take over the Sutopolis City Gym. Liza and Tate are obviously related, they're twins. Um, yeah. and there's like a Flannery had a, a father in the series I yeah uh, Rourke and Byron both run gyms in the Sinnoh region um, uh, your Norman's child in the Hoenn your Norman's region. exactly right. you've got um, that's a good point uh, and in fact there's a theory about Norman being uh, also Whitney's father and that that's a relationship but that's a whole other theory because he's from uh, Jodo yeah because he's from Jodo and yeah. they're a normal gym and so that's the whole thing you've got Iris's Iris while Iris is in directly related to Drayden, she refers to him as Gramps. And so there's this idea that like maybe it's an adoptive type relationship. Uh, and so they both run that gym together. So that's everywhere. I'm fully hijacking this though, because you got me started on Pokemon <laughs> theories though. So <laughs> take it away, guys. This is Hey, this is why we brought in the king. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we signed up for. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Well yeah. So that, I mean there's there's my initial kind of food for thought is that Gyms, it seems to be run not on a maybe a, a, a international or even regional level, but maybe just in like a we've got these people who are effectively mayors in each in each town that or kings of each town, kings of each gym, families of power, families of privilege, and that maybe there is a centralized thing in, with the league. I, I don't know. 
Well, yeah, if you think about anyone to your Agatha point, it's the uh, the Elite Four reigns over the gyms and the gym leaders mm. and can replace them and shift in and out as they see fit. So I think that that's like, you know, if there is a hierarchy here, if those are mayors and those are definitely governors in a sense sure. on a council. And, and they that- do have a responsibility to... For the well-being of the region, we often see champions getting involved in the the affairs of the criminal organizations. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, <laughs> on the good side. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> okay. So hang on. It just had a thought. I'm like theorizing on the spot here. The Mulva used to be a member of Team Flare, and it does oh. it does feel like Team Flare have this sort of place in high society within Kalos. Perhaps by having a person in a position of power, maybe that allowed them to to thrive for a lot as long as they did <laughs> oh someone on the inside mm. because the other thing is team flair's goals are so nebulous and weird that like they could pass as some kind of like oh they're just a like weird fashion club or something <laughs> mm. like they're just artists students like, we don't really care what they're doing and they don't notice that they're accidentally turning callous stonehenge into a giant crystal flower death weapon yeah <laughs> crystal flower yeah. death weapon by the way is uh the name of my uh is the name of my second album <laughs> great it, it, it is a good point uh, it's a good reminder though of the callous wars is that this is a world that has been touched by war oh yeah yeah mm. uh Lieutenant, it's been so touched by war, there's even an American in it. <laughs> right. Surge. Yeah. yeah. A- across the board, it- it's that we a long history of conflicts and stuff like that. So I, again, cool thing to see uh, in, in the future of Pokemon. <laughs> Two regions that aren't at peace with each other. But it's not what? the presence is. There's uh, mutual agreement across the board. That people just, you know, uh, leaders from across the world show up in, uh, what's the place, in the docks of uh, of Unova region to, to fight in tournaments. Yeah. Well, also, there's things like the international police and stuff. I'm pretty sure that uh, even though, like, on a small scale, it's like uh, gym leaders just kind of fall into this position of authority by virtue of being such strong trainers in kind of a might makes right sort of situation. And then the Elite Four are above them. Uh, but I don't think the Elite Four legislate. I don't think they, like, create laws, in a sense, or, like, pass mm. policy. And Interesting point. There are police out there. Right. Yeah. That, that, is, that is worth mentioning. And yeah. who's in charge of them? Like, who is the head of state? And, like, what do they do? Like, what are the duties necessary to govern loosely the entire world? It must be that there are characters that are maybe behind the scenes. And in in the same way that, like, in the animated series, you see towns that are, like, made up for the show and that there's all that stuff going on. Maybe there are characters like that. We've probably even seen some of them in the show. I can't recall. But maybe there are people like that. But from the point of view of a child or young teenager going on a Pokemon adventure, finding out about legislators and local government is just way too boring to even factor into <laughs> something that that character would perceive, and so we never see it on the Pokemon journey. Um, so w- when you hear them talk about their their like life, it just it's translating your head to like Michael Fairy is so cute. Yeah, <laughs> <Okay, right. laughs> 
<laughs> all the weird NPC dialogue. Like uh, the. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned the the world tournament though, because I mean, in that respect, it's a military display, isn't it? It's sort of hmm. we're, yeah. we're showing off what we. This is what our best can do, and this is this is the this is the character that all of our ten year old trainers have to be able to beat to pass the bar to be able to to you know to be considered champions and we've got 50 champions how many champions does your region have well if all of ours can beat this guy and your champion can't you know beat our guy then well don't mess with us yeah hmm. yeah that kind of olympic yeah. display yeah this is what yeah. our best can do and also everybody besides cynthia is also here <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone else is here that's that's right actually that cynthia is top tier I'm curious about if there's any other. I'll speak for myself. I understand um, the way of the ways of governments as in a very American sense. So I'm curious if there's a better, uh, not, not a full democracy system, but a better word for what's going on with the elite for having uh, power but not legislation. Okay, I think I actually have a solution. Maybe, and this is something I've heard described mm-hmm. as a techocracy, which is. The real people in charge, if I have to put my conspiracy hat on, are those that run the Devon Corporation and run Silphco. Oh, yeah. Because you think about it. Yeah. Every Pokemon war ever where Pokemon are getting hurt and a society where trainers benefit from the repetitive injuring of, you know, their Pokemon and their Pokemon get stronger as a result. So they evolve and they have further needs as they evolve. Are the people producing Pokeballs, potions, running the Pokemon sensors... Um, and, you know, living at the the top of that. So I, I reckon that the, the president of Silphco and the president of Devon... He, 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 yeah, he, he wasn't saying, here's a master ball. He was saying, here's a medal of honor for, for protecting the, your government. Well, that's it. I mean, they also have, like... They, so they create... I mean, artists. Kurt, the greatest smiths, created Pokeballs. But they refined them and refined the process and created this process of using infinity energy to create technology. And, you know, and they, at some point, they went, wow, we've made a Pokeball so good it can 100%. We shouldn't put this into the market because it will... Yes, exactly. It'll be too much. They So they have, they really have a lot of control over... Uh, you know, there's no, no why. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't everyone want a Pokeball with a 100% catch rate if they can produce them? Well, they would. Of course, they would. So the powers that be say, no, we don't release this into the market. We only put it into the hand of our trusted scientists. And the only way you can get Master Balls in the game are lottery, trusted scientists, Pokemon professors, and evil team members who have stolen them for their nefarious deeds. There is actually no other way to get Master Balls, and so. My, that that says to me that like yes the people in the position of power here have got to be those industries and it makes sense that they would want to run a show where the, the like you say might makes right and that the power heads of every town every city every government is is are people who are these kind of military figures and um, that once they've chosen someone, like, say, Brock's family, that Jim should really try and stay within that family as much as possible because they've got a, a further degree of control. I kind of want to see, like, the uh, the Game of Thrones, but good, of, like, all these different families of, like, trainers, like, talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to watch that show. <laughs> Inter- interacting and... Again, c- conflict between the gym leaders would be very interesting to see. Mm. But uh, 
to, to Toby's point, there is no conflict there. Right. It, it, it's weird. They're they're all friendly or they're all on the same side. They've all been appointed there in, in a sense. And yeah, different generations come to, because the, the one family has power. Mm. When you say techocracy, I immediately go thinking of like uh, cyberpunk worlds, you know, yeah. high tech, low life. Well, I'm thinking about like, like if, if, you know, like, Basically, we're talking about the world where, like, Jeff Bezos and and uh, and uh, Musky Mark Boy. Zuckerberg, yeah, they're yeah. they're they're the new leaders of the world, and they run, they dictate policy and stuff, and and maybe maybe that's where it's all going down within Devon, within within Selfco. Uh, I suspect the two branches are probably related, to be honest. Like, maybe maybe Devon is the technology side, and Selfco is the uh, is the more policy based side. Um, or it's a big building. Yeah, they got to do something there. Also, well, first off, Jeff, Jeff Bezos uh, deciding policy. When I was ten years old, and I wished for Pokemon to be real, that's not what I meant. <laughs> well, also, um, Brock's last name, by the way, um, just because you made me think about it, is Harrison. I'm looking at it now. Uh, so that is Brock of House Harrison, first of his name. I'm sorry for stumbling over that, but, like, I kept wanting to go, like, I wanted to make it work of, like, I want to be the very best, like, no one ever was, and, like, it doesn't fit, but I want it to. Brock of House Harrison, Sigil and Onyx, um, words, <laughs> Jenny, Nurse Jenny. Uh, <laughs> no, wait, words, Jenny. don't turn on the sprinklers. Don't turn on the sprinklers, exactly, that's it. <laughs> Speaking of that techocracy cyberpunk world, I gotta point out the, uh, Detective Pikachu world that we inhabit. Oh. Right? It, very much in that same exact vibe. It's true. That's true. So who... Now, it, it's Bill Nye is the, uh, is the sort of... Is he, like, the governor or the mayor? Uh, I, I think... I believe he's the mayor. Right. <laughs> and he wants to be more. He, he does. He wants to be Mewtwo. <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't we all? Spoiler. Um... <laughs> Man, I <laughs> after seeing that movie, I I feel bad for anyone that walked into that movie didn't know what Pokemon was because knowing what Pokemon is, I was still like I'm like this is this isn't what it's about at all, right? <laughs> this like I, I, it sends the wrong message. Yeah, I think I think what maybe happened if I if we look at the the history of Pokemon and you see all of these ancient regions and and you know there's a really great example, right? You got t- two the twin kings, the twin heroes. One chooses truth, one chooses ideals, or one chooses Reshiram, one chooses Zekrom. And in the Unova region, there are two castles. There's the Abyssal Ruins, which are the underwater ones on the uh, on the uh, east side of the region. And on the west side of the region, there's the, the Desert Ruins, which are underground. And so you've got these two kingdoms, two, two leaders, two dragons, and they supposedly went to war. And now their castles are under the sea and under the desert floor, which kind of implies that monarchies just don't work out in Pokemon, rulers of entire regions, mm. especially when they've got differing of opinions, uh, with legendary Pokemon at their back, uh, you know, to justify their worthiness, clearly doesn't work, and that's how you end up with wars 3,000 years ago that span across multiple regions that cause big energy beams of destruction. So at some point, somebody said, hey, we have to be smarter about this, and rather than create big beams of energy let's use that infinity energy to create technology that will allow us to better control pokemon so we're not just throwing them out there with armor and spear and stuff but we can control them we can heal them and then we can start establishing these 
these gym bases. I think to me that makes the most sense. Yes. Uh, but I also think it's not necessarily nefarious. Like, it's to stop war, which is great. Mm-hmm. There's a prospering of technology, which is wonderful. Yes, they decide ultimately who is the who are the elitist families and who are not. And that's, you know, obviously horribly shady. But it is all in the long run. And this is where the international police come into it, maybe who they work for. The international police, very interested in snuffing out any any evil organizations before they rise up. But also interested in this uh, counter... <laughs> they're doing a bad job, I gotta say. Huh? <laughs> There's at least one... They're doing a bad job. There's like one in every region. They're doing a terrible job. <laughs> But they're also, they're, but you know, Looker appears in all of these regions where evil organizations um, rise up, um, except for the Gala region, which interestingly enough might be because Chairman Rose is the person running the league. It's almost like he was part of this hmm. big uh, organization, but he went rogue and did his own thing, so they couldn't get anyone out to respond to that. But the other thing that the international police deal with are the countermeasures against the Ultra Beasts. Mm. And we always see in these organizations, these technical organizations, the Aether Foundation, the Galactic Headquarters, Selfco, um, we see technologies that are like, that like the whole Paragon line, the whole thing is cyberspace, then deep space with Paragon 2. Alchemist, I think this is one of your Pokemon theories, right? And then Paragon Z with um is like for alternate dimension fighting and the whole idea is to stop this invasion of ultra beasts and stuff and so they are pulling the strings but they are doing it all with the planet's best interest in mind yeah correct once those kind of external otherworldly threats have appeared that i having a i guess kind of like an independence day we're all on the same side together um you know approach Makes a lot of sense. Maybe that's uh, that is was the turning point. Yeah, it seems like this governmental structure is more of a federal sort of system than a unitary system. Uh, something I, I thought to mention because when we talked about like monarchies being snuffed out, I, I was curious that like in the I, I mean I understand like from a game developer re- reason, but I'm curious why uh, theocracy was never on the table or on display in the Pokemon world. Oh. Uh, because there's a uh, there's a lot of I mean I guess there's Pokemon with the powers of gods yeah <laughs> you know uh, walking among regions doing wonderful deeds and you know there's I think one church in any region that we've seen the foreign building in uh in, in Sinnoh there's a church and there's also a building uh, in Lavender Town that I believe looks like a mosque I suppose I suppose the idea because because pokemon are they're not animals they're magical creatures and that's the like animals exist in the world of pokemon these are magical creatures and that's a separate thing and you know there are myths about obviously arceus dialga and palkia and whatever but there's not like it's not like the real world where it's like oh there's this god that god this god that god and and you know all these different religious texts and a lot of ambiguity about you know where you want to hedge your yeah, bets or whatever. That's out the window when <laughs> when a 10-year-old's walking around with the, the guy that made all the continents in his pocket. Right. With Pokemon, it's it's sort of a more clear-cut, there is this mythical Pokemon that sort of created a bunch of different things. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe when the, maybe you don't end up with a theocracy because there's, it's, 
at that point, it's just science. There's just evidence that 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 that, <laughs> that right there, that Pokemon, that did it, and we can see it, and we know it's there, and everyone's on the same page. There's no debate about it, or there's no ambiguity about it, or which interpretation. It's that one, the Arceus, right there. Yeah. yeah. So, Here's the thing: no, no. is Arceus? Do Arceus and the Ultra Beasts share some kind of common ancestry? Are they sort of the same thing? Because looking at like some of the Gen 4 legendaries, they are more like dramatic and mm. uh, sort of spacey looking than most normal Pokemon in kind of a similar way, I would say, to the Ultra Beasts, which they're not classified that way uh, because they oh, predate yeah. them, but... Uh, according, according to the Birdkeeper Toby uh, Pokemon family tree on my oh. wall that I'm looking at right here, uh, the Ultra Beasts are unconnected. Oh, okay. So the, we're, the, the Ultra Beasts, because it's like Arceus is the the god of this dimension. Or the thing is, Arceus isn't Arceus isn't the god of this dimension. It's the husk that's kind of left over <laughs> after it was a god when it had all of this infinity energy and life energy that it it then split a little bit into Dialga and a little bit into Palkia and then the Lake Trio. And in my mind, it's from them comes Mew and then from Mew comes everything else biologically. But so Arceus isn't, it's like, it's like, Eternatus and Eternamax. He, he's the uh, yeah. yeah. Arceus is the shed, shed ninja. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how you put it. And then wow. in the in the other dimensions, we assume in these ultra spaces, either there are vast webs of different ultra beast species that exist in each one, and each one has its own version of Arceus, or it's just that these ultra ultra spaces are are weird pockets within the universe and that they've come from Arceus in some other way. But they're definitely not biologically related to other Pokemon. Right. But how Ultra Spaces exist, whether it's a multiverse or whether they are sort of pocket universes to this universe, choose whatever Doctor Who theory you want. Um, but yeah, only one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like either way you slice it, the point of this government is largely to defend against... Uh, you know, extra dimensional threats or things that originate from outside of this current dimension. And that's why they kind of create this sort of warrior culture of Pokemon trainers and masters. That's it. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that a thing in, uh, I guess, uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire? It's kind of like the, the space race is inspired by f fighting like Deoxys. And, and yeah, I mean, wow. even right there, like the Pokemon government are comfortable letting 10, 11 year olds deal with these world threats because that's what they've been trained to do. In many ways, it's a utopia, right? Hmm. But depending on where you're sitting, a utopia could be a dystopia. So I'd, I'd be interested to see those Pokemon stories, but I think they've all been framed as utopia. We live with Pokemon and it's great kind of world, but maybe that's from the perspective of people who have been brainwashed. <laughs> yeah, it it's a little bit of a it's a little propaganda if you think about it. Yeah. It's yeah, it definitely seems like from the perspective of a ten year old, any government looks like a utopia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's true, yes. Or a bunch of people in suits in a really tall building. <laughs> that has two gyms in that town. Yeah, let's do that instead. You know what region always terrified me in a weird way is Or. Or Ore, possibly. Yeah. Yes, a region that where the it truly the criminal syndicates rule. Yeah, and also the lack of like life and wild Pokemon. They start to come back after uh, Colosseum and into XD, showing kind of like nature's healing. We were the virus, etc. But 
It's almost like that was scarred by some kind of war. Well, it's interesting. So this maybe bleeds into exactly what we're talking about. If we're looking at the Aurea region through the lens of everything we've been talking about in this podcast, then what you end up with is, oh, that region doesn't have many native wild Pokemon. Yeah, so no one's... So those with Pokemon become the strong very quickly and an evil organization moves in and they have Pokemon and they have the ability to snag Pokemon. Uh, and there's not a lot of wild Pokemon, so local trainers can't catch them to to fight them. Mm. And ultimately the hero has to come from within Team Snagum and, and they do. Um, what happens, the plot of the second one, XD Gale of Darkness, is there's this giant boat, the SS Libra, that's filled with with Pokemon from the Kanto and Johto regions. Uh, and it's being brought over to the region, and then that gets hijacked by by Team Cipher. But perhaps the point of that was some kind of local Pokemon restoration uh, project, bringing in old species to the to the region to kind of bring some extra life to it. Repopulates, right? Yeah. So yeah, I never thought of that as all the Pokemon in those games are imported. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. I also really enjoyed this little. Uh like block of text on wikipedia for or wikipedia bulbapedia of regions in the pokemon world and it's like kento johto hoenn Sinnoh, ore orange archipelago guiana the real country in life <laughs> yes <laughs> because that's where mew is so the entire world is a technocratic socialist utopia and also there's guiana well, I think that comes down to all of the regions of the Pokemon world. Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, and Sinnoh are Japan. Yeah. And it's just a case of, in the Pokemon world, they're called that. So parts of America in the Pokemon world, Unova, uh, Alola, Guiana. And that is also true. And it can get confusing where, obviously, you've got like, oh, but um, France is sort of mentioned with Fantina. Although in the French version of the game, it's England. Um, but, you know, our French is maybe alluded to, and so we know France exists, but we know Kalos exists. Yeah, Kalos is just France, right? And that's that's just it. Yeah. yeah. Although, what if it wasn't? What if Kalos was there, and then also France? And, like, it just so happened, like, they have, like, they've got the Lumios <laughs> Tower, and they have the Eiffel Tower. they got two just... of them, just stacked <laughs> on top of each yeah. other. They just both look at them like, what are the odds of this happening? <laughs> yeah, no one said otherwise. I love it. There's a Unova and there's a New York. There's a Galar and there's a uh, and there's a Britain. There's a best of times and a worst of times. I think I've sort of covered everything that I could think of to do with like. I feel like we've mapped out the whole Pokemon world, but the co-host. Yes, you sort of uh, said that you had seen a video that I'd done with Almighty Arceus, and I can't remember the video. Was there anything in that that you were like, oh, you mentioned that, Toby. Bring it up. Um, well, there was the, um, oh gosh, no, I forget. So, <laughs> um, I can't really think of anything. Oh, yes. Did we mention how the government seems to be focused on fighting interdimensional threats? We did do that. Yes. 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 No, that was, we covered that. Well, it's it's possible this... I've just parroted back the theory I did with Almighty Arceus, not remembering that I did that theory <laughs> with, with Almighty Arceus. That does happen. Well, here's my question. Okay. I want to be in charge of the Pokemon world. How do I do that? You... <laughs> See, it's hard now, because now the people are in power. 
How do I lie, cheat, and steal my way into the Pokey presidency or the Pokey monarchy? You need to start as a temp at Silphco and work your way up the ladder. You know, <laughs> break way, way too slow. Way too slow. You got to be a grunt <laughs> in a, a criminal mm. organization. Ooh. Because the thing is, if Giovanni had succeeded, right? Let's say Giovanni had got muted. Yeah. And, you know, the, the first raid on Selfco was successful. And that they took the plans for the Master Ball, they caught Mewtwo, they came back to Selfco and sort of said, we're taking over. And then they kind of went, right, now let's get some agents with Mewtwo and the Master Ball out to the Hoenn region and we'll take over Devon. And then, you know, we'll go and do the Eighth of Paradise. Ultimately, they would be the people in charge. But they were stopped by Pokemon trainers who were the products of the things that, in my speculative opinion, Silphco put in place in the first place. Yeah. Well, there's also the notion that uh, after the Rainbow Rocket episode in uh, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, Giovanni says, like, uh, there's only one place I can take my evil schemes now. Earth. Mwahaha. And then he showed up in Pokemon Go, and I personally beat him and caught Shadow Mewtwo. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, why am I not already in charge? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, in, in the manga... That we see that like Team Rocket has their claws even more into it because they've like Sabrina, Sabrina, Lieutenant Serge, Blaine, and Giovanni are all Rocket in the in the in the mm. manga. Mm. So like they've got more people in their pocket. My solution, which is very tangential, but yes, you have to claim power from Giovanni. And the easiest thing to do in the world, you just you join you join a criminal organization. The grunts are all uh, <laughs> as long as you know the basics of Pokemon battling, which I think anyone that's played a game does, you you can easily become an elite. The thing is, it's, it's a perfect system because everyone, the only people, let's say you, you kick down the door to Silphco and you're like, president, mm. uh, this is our place now. We're, we're taking over. And then the president goes, all right, I'm just going to call my buddy Lance. You might have heard of him. Lance, you want to bring those level 40-something Dragonites over here? I don't care if you hacked them in. Get over here. And Lance hops over and he's like, "Here, I'm here with the Elite Four crew. What's up? We're going to take you out, Giovanni. The thing is, for you to be really in Giovanni's position, for the most part, you would have had to have beat Lance in the first place. And so you've gone through the system of being a kid, going on an adventure with Pokemon, being excited about it. And I imagine that, like, let's say Giovanni is the, I don't know, one in a thousand trainers who doesn't love that. Who doesn't go, wow, Pokemon journeys are a lot of fun. And instead goes, nah, power. So most people, like, if it was you and you go on a Pokemon journey and you beat Lance and whatever, you're in love with it now. You're in love with Pokemon adventuring. And so you've sort of been nullified as a threat and you're only an asset to the to the region. Oh, but oh, damn. maybe one in a thousand becomes Giovanni, but one in a thousand Giovanni's outnumbered. There's at least always two kids in the Silphco building ready to take him out. So <laughs> the, it's like a perfect system for those at the top. Yeah, y- you're right. But you got to start as a temp. That's the only way. I have, <laughs> I do have something. Hold on. Something... Promised I would never use again. A relic from the ancient past of 2007. Hello again, old friends. What is this? My Nintendo DS action replay. 
<laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> oh, there you go. I am rewriting your reality. You, you are the external threat that, that everyone in the game is fighting against. I am an ultra beast. I am a deity. <laughs> you are the. That is the true way around the system. Full scale Earth invasion with army of ultra beasts. That actually does make sense. That that's the other way to do it, right? <laughs> Yeah, because yes. that's the only credible threat against them is that like, okay, we've got, you know, Pokeballs that can catch everything and we've got, you know, all these things. But Guzzlord is an actual concern. Guzzlord is like, that <laughs> thing will mess up your reality. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I I would like to say I think that the Pokemon world's definitely on a house of cards because some world ending event happens every other year yeah. for them. Mm. <laughs> so... It's only a matter of time, certainly, when they have a a Breath of the Wild style cal- calamity. It's only a matter of time before I show up with my nine 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 max potions and max revives, <laughs> and uh, clean up house. I will raise uh, all of my uh, my guys' IVs, and I will take out every single Ultra Beast with a Rattata with a Focus Sash and Endure and Quick Attack. <laughs> I guess I guess the point is like to get the technology so good that when the apocalyptic event happens, you can save everyone or still stay in charge. Because then you look at the the two realities that we've seen that have been destroyed are the Ultra Megalopolis, in which the technology is so good that even in a world without a sun, people seem to exist, which is nuts. And then um, that is crazy. Which is that I mean that's a lot of technology to have, and they've got to have they've got like a whole metropolis, right? And then you've got the Guzzlord world, and in Guzzlord world, the guy who's like there with Mister Mister Guzzlord is like, yeah, we evacuated everyone to other dimensions. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that because the technology was that good that they could just do that. It's it's the same message of all the Pokemon games of teamwork. Hmm. Yeah. When you're all on the same side and work together, you too can save a reality. Hmm. You too can control uh, the, the means of production. And thus the populace. Hmm. Yeah. No. This was a good moral. Maybe I don't have to become uh become a god. Well, uh I think that's I think that's kind of all that there is to be said. Uh Toby, where can people find you on uh, on the internet? Where is where's the tall grass where you can be found? I am Birdkeeper Toby on everything. I love that the tall grass I can be I am Birdkeeper Toby on absolutely everything, but my number one thing I'm trying to grow right now is TikTok and I'm doing horribly cringy stuff over there. So um I'm doing uh, posting a little mini theory over there every day. Uh thirty seconds or less. So yeah, that's the main thing right now. Excellent. I wonder if we should take Pokemon to the final rating place. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, we have... Oh, there's segments on this show. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On occasions when they apply. When we don't have anything to talk about, we pull a ripcord, Toby, that is called uh, a segment or uh, or such. And that's kind of how we use segments on here. But we always do... That's wild. Thank you. We always do uh, a final rating place. So how do you rank, I guess, Quillfish? (laughs) <laughs> Quillfish specifically the most important Pokemon. Uh, out of out of ten Quillfishes, I rank Quillfish at a three. Mm. <laughs> it's not even a ten in its own category. That's just God, Quillfish. I, 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 Quillfish is a five out of ten Quillfish, and you could not convince me otherwise. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> 
I will say, uh, I will go ahead and say eight out of ten to uh, to average it out at five out of ten. That seems fair. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Like the Pokemon I... World government, I have uh, I've I've manipulated the poll into my desired results. I, I would like to end with a, a quick game. Uh, one of our segments that we do every uh, almost every week, Toby, is a game where we take the monster and we we decide if they are a therapist, therapy animal, or needs therapy. One of those three categories. Okay. And that was inspired by um, by looking at the list of Pokemon, and you can do that with every Pokemon. Wow. So, for example, uh, Quillfish, I would say, <laughs> is a uh, needs therapy. Yeah, I, I'm on the <laughs> yeah, same page. With a whole that. lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Underappreciated. Or, like, low self-esteem. Always frowning. Yeah. Uh, or Pokemon like Exploud, for example. Needs Might therapy. also need therapy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, that's, I'm, an angry, I can't, that's an angry boy. I'm, I can't think of a Pokemon that isn't... Although, I suppose the key Pokemon are all ones that are... Uh, uh, Growlithe. Growlithe is a therapy oh, yeah. animal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's Adam's favorite Pokemon, Alakazam. I think that's a therapist. Absolutely. 5,000 IQ. He knows... He knows what's wrong. He knows your troubles before you step in the room. <laughs> he can give you a spoon that makes anything taste good. That's that's a great therapeutic tool. <laughs> that actually is really... I, I want one of those now. <laughs> I'm surprised that happened. So, uh, thank you so much for joining Amazing. us. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me. Toby. You. Thank you. Yeah, well, an absolute great time. Yeah. Looks like Team Podcast blasting off again. Whoa, Buffett.